Welcome to Equip This Church, Denise. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our city campus. For more information, check out equipthischurch.com. Give it up to your worship team, because they did awesome this morning, eh? Yeah, you can grab your seats, for sure. Thank, thank you. Well, same, same back. Will and Des, we love you guys heaps, and just what you guys have accomplished here is, is amazing. And there's such a... Um, it's such a maturity. You know, I just, I just love it when I see leaders doing what they're supposed to do. And you guys have just planted such an amazing work. And everywhere you go, actually, there's such growth. And that's what has been beautiful to see down here. So we're um, stoked to be here and um, stoked to uh, yeah, teach, I guess, on... Um, funny, Will should say all he did this morning because I really feel like we need to teach on praise this morning. Praise. I know, that's the Holy Spirit right there. <laughs> so take that for point number one. <laughs> God clearly wants us to learn about praise. And um, we're starting this new series up in Auckland called What Works? Like, what of our Christian stuff works? Um, of all the stuff that God has given us to live our Christian lives, what works? And I believe, man, so strongly, praise works. Yeah. Praise works when it comes to the, the Praise works because it's a weapon for us. It's, it's a, praise is a weapon. Praise is good for us. Praise is a door to victory. Praise is the, door th- is, the, is the passage through hard times in order to get to victory. Praise is such a deal for us, but in order to really make the most of praise, we have to work through some things called feelings. And feelings are crap. Man. <laughs> you know, feelings are just horrible. Feelings are there to describe how we're feeling. You know, they're there to, to give... It's hard to, it's hard to use words to describe feelings because you feel them. You don't articulate them. We try to articulate them using feelings. And, but the problem is, is when we try to articulate them, especially when we come to prayer, it just makes us feel worse. You know, when you go to God and say, I feel crap, it just makes you feel worse. If you feel horrible and then you keep talking about it, you keep saying it, you just feel worse. The cool thing about praise is it, it doesn't, it doesn't you, you don't lie to yourself. You don't say, hey, I feel good. But you do say, God is good. Yeah. And because God is good, I can, I can put up with these feelings. Yeah. I can put up with this stuff because God is good. And so you just keep on saying, God is good. And the, and the weather is, you know, God is good. <laughs> All right, so... I'll get Ashwin to put up the first slide, which is just praise works, man. Um, our only problem with, with praise, what keeps us from praise, usually? Because most Christians love a good praise, except for when we have a bad day. When we have a bad day, we've got this choice. We, we either follow our feelings into, into bad stuff, or we praise our way into good. So, uh, Bill Johnson, actually, man, I don't know if anybody, Bill Johnson of Bethel recently lost his wife to cancer, Benny Johnson, it was really sad, and then, and then three days after, he preached, and I was like, wow, this is going to be one heck of a sermon, and it was, it really was, but there was one thing that he said that really got me, and he said, um, now, let's get me this right, you have a choice, you know, gr- grief can either lead you to comfort or it can lead you to unbelief. 
that's, that's pretty mature right there, right? Grief can lead you to comfort, as in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, or it can lead you to unbelief. Pra- praise is like, you know, when we're going through a hard time, that hard time can lead us to praise, or it can lead us to unbelief. Because the, the more we don't, the hard time has got to, we've, we cannot give in to it. Okay, all right, so when we have a bad day, we, we're faced with that choice. You know who had a really, really, really bad day? Jesus. <laughs> Next slide. Ooh, laughter stopped. No, that's, that, oh, you know, when I saw the passion and, and, I, and I saw that picture, I said, oh, my gosh, that's Jesus having a really bad day. And when we think we have a bad day, you know, one look at that and it changes our minds. We don't really have a bad day. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not discrediting your feelings either. We do have bad days. But I'm just saying, this is, this is, God, this is Jesus' response to his bad day. His response was Psalm 22. The, the thing about Psalm 22 was it was written uh, a thousand years before Jesus came. That's freaky, eh? Psalm 22 is unbelievable. It, it's, this is the start. God, my God, why would you abandon me now? You know what the other version says? Why have you forsaken me? A thousand years before Jesus is on the cross, David writes a psalm that quotes Jesus. Who was quoting what? Maybe Jesus was on there quoting David. Or David was prophesying and quoting Jesus. Why, why have you forsaken me? Why do you abandon me? Why do you remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you? Where are you, my God? How many of us have been before God and felt exactly like that? Where are you? How many times have we been before God, sobbing our hearts out, desperately pouring out our cries, desperately pouring out our sorrows before him? And, and honestly, God can handle it. He can handle it. But <clears throat> this, this psalm, I think, gives us a real... Um, a real picture of our response and what it can be. It's such an amazing prophetic picture of the, of the cross. Um, 33 prophecies are fulfilled from this psalm when Jesus died on the cross. 33. As you're walking through, you, as, you're, as I'm reading through, I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's no way David did not see this. There's, there's, there's got to be Holy Spirit just saying, I know what's going to happen to my son. And when he's up there, I want, to, I want it described well beforehand so everybody knows this, this is not a surprise. And this is our response. So, <clears throat> um, I mean, the, the psalm starts with that, why have you forsaken me? It ends with, it is finished. <laughs> cool, eh? It is finished. Um, for example, one of, the, one of the lines in the middle of it is, with a toss of the dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. That's weirdly specific, right? And I love the way <clears throat> it presents a problem and then it answers it with a praise. Next slide. It answers it with a solution. And the solution for that first problem is this. Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Can you imagine... In, in one second, he's, where are you, my God? I'm, I'm pouring my heart out. I'm, I'm desperate for you. Uh, this, uh, uh, he's on the cross. And his response is, yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. 
You are God in thrones here. Living among shouts of praise. Living among shouts of praise is a response to a bad day. Well, I, we went to this church once. I told the worship team yesterday. We went to this church once, and um, I remember asking them. <clears throat> uh, I did a workshop, and then I was about to uh, preach the next morning. And I remember asking them, go, hey, is there anything particular when we preach on? He goes, oh, no, we just want to, we just as a church want to go to a higher level of praise. High level of, yeah, I think he said high level of worship, but you know what he meaning, just a higher level. So I thought about that, and I went home and I prayed. And um, I said, Lord, what do I, what do I say? This church wants to go to a higher level of worship, a higher level of praise. And then I heard God really clearly say, tell them if they want to go to a higher level of praise to expect a deeper level of crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I couldn't wait to preach that. Because you don't become a better worshiper or a higher praiser by lifting your hands higher. You know, you don't, it's not because you sing better. It's the faith that you have to sing through stuff that makes you a better worshiper. Because God doesn't respond to like better singing. He responds to higher faith, deeper faith. So for you to continue to believe stuff and, and to continue to believe for things and to continue to praise His name through the hardest stuff, it means more to Him. It means more to Him and it does more for you. Because it gives you the strength to carry on. Let's, let's move on. Next, next slide. Um, there was this, there's this other, there's this other, oh, actually, I'll tell you after this. So, um, yet another solution, right? He's been through, he's going through this awful day, and his solution is, our father's faith was in you. Through the generations, they trusted and believed in you, and you came through. Every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. What's he doing them there? He's reliving the past, the past victories that God has done. Because too, too often when we, you know, we come before God and with our current bad time, it's like we get amnesia. And then we forget about all the stuff that God did do to get us this point. Remember the last time you were going through a hard time? And you were there going, where are you, God? And then he showed up. And we go, oh, there you are. Yay, thank you. And then we, and then we think, okay, God did, really did come through. But the next time we go through a hard time, we forget that. So here he is saying, our father's faith is in you too. Every time they cried out, you were there for them. I'm going to trust that. I'm going to trust what you did in the past to, and apply it to my current situation. I convince myself. I remind myself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's really crucial, to encourage yourself in the Lord. Praise and worship is us reminding ourselves that God is good. And he's, he's helped us in the past. For ages, he's helped us. He's helped our fathers. He's helped us. He is going to help us in the future. You just have to remember that when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what I like about that? So, <laughs> that psalm cracks me up. Because it's I'm walking through the valley. And, and one of the lines is, you know, you prepared a banquet for me in the presence of my enemies. It's not you prepared a banquet for me way over there, out, outside of the sight of my enemies. It's in the presence of my enemies. Which means as I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death and I'm seeing my enemies and I've got that fight or flight thing going on, you know, the adrenaline response, the fear that's there, uh, God is so not worried about your enemies and the fear and all the stuff that looks like it's going to hurt you 
that his, he's so not worried that his response is, hey, let's eat. Me and Willie can really get down to that. Let's eat. He's, he's like, man, it, it may look scary, but it's actually not as scary as you think. My comfort is here for you. When you sit down to eat with somebody, it's like, man, it's time to relax. It's time to relax and to fellowship and to be together. And so I'm just going to relax and fellowship and be together with God in the presence of the very enemies that want to pull me down. I am not going to let them have the satisfaction of me being scared without worry, without purpose, without reason. So I think it's really important for us to remember the big picture. God has been looking after human beings for a long time, thousands of years. So I think he's got us figured out. I don't think you're going to be the first person that God goes, oh, no, what am I going to do? Cool? Okay, and when we remember that, we change our perspective. So the next slide. Lord, you delivered me from safety. I mean, sorry, you delivered me from safety. You delivered me safely. Let me get that one one right. Lord, you delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You were the one who who cared for me ever since I was a baby. Since the day I was born, I've been placed in your custody. You've cradled me throughout my days. I've trusted in you, and you've always been my God. Yeah, God has got a really big picture, but... that we can't even see, and yet he's still here for us. That's how he feels about us, cradling us like a baby. Even when we're going through difficult times. I love my kids, but I, but, and, I, and I cuddle them, and I've you know, cradled them even to this day when I see them. You know? But that doesn't mean I'm, I'm not going to let them ever go through hard things. And I'm not going to rescue them any time, because I know that's, I mean, every time, because I know that they need to learn and they need to grow. And I feel confident in their ability to be able to walk through things. That takes a level of trust as a parent, because you're trusting your own parenting. <laughs> you know, did I do a good job? Well, we'll find out now. <laughs> and if it ever does look like they're, they're going to, you know, fail or crash and burn, it's like a measured... I think this would be okay for them to learn that. No, they'll get stronger when they come out of this. But there is a point where it's like, no, now's the time to step in. If that's the instinct we have as parents, don't you think God would have even more so? Now's the time to step in. But he says, no, I know what you can handle, and I know what's good for you. And I know that growing will be good for your faith. There's another, there's another story. Um, again, I told a really, really short version of it. And that was this Chris Valaton as a... As a is again at Bethel Church. There's something about Bethel this morning. Um, he's like, um, he runs this school of supernatural ministry. And he's, uh, he tells the story of how he got there. When he, uh, he went through a bunch of failed businesses and, and a, a nervous breakdown and whatnot. And by the time he, Bill Johnson, he had met Bill Johnson and he'd said, hey, come with me to Reading and we'll start this church and I want you to start a school. Um, he said, Sure. But his, his, the businesses and stuff all, when he made the big faith step, everything turned against them financially. He went there with some money in the bank, thinking, I can survive on that until the school gets going. When he actually moved, it, all the, uh, some, somebody went bankrupt and somebody else who had promised to pay for businesses didn't. And he ended up $1.8 million in debt. Right? So he makes this faith step. God says, trust me, I'm going to do it. 
He's got this little bit of money in the bank, takes the faith step, which is the time you normally you would expect the provision to come. Instead, he takes a faith step, God takes all the money away. <laughs> okay, God didn't take it away. He allowed it to go away. Now he's in $1.8 million in debt. He goes to the elders and says, I, I can't, I, I'm going to have to leave. That's it, ministry over. One of the elders gets up and says, no, don't, don't leave. Give us three months, and we believe God's going to provide for you. <clears throat> he says, I don't have the faith for that. The elder says, then trust my faith. We'll have faith for you. Yeah, sometimes we need other people, right? And so he, so he believes that. He goes, all right. And in, in three months, $900,000 had come through. Right, 900k in three months. He's like, oh man, that's a sign from God. Obviously, it's really cool. Obviously, God wants us here, so we'll stay. And they just kept on believing. All right, well, if this is coming in three months, we're just going to keep on believing for the rest. Well, the, the rest did come in, another 900k, but it took three years. So three months for 900,000, three years for 900,000. Which period do you, did you think his faith grew stronger in? Sometimes our faith gets stronger with unanswered prayer. Because <laughs> we, we, the, the general process of our faith getting stronger is we believe something for, we believe God for something, and then it happens, and then we think, oh, then my faith grows stronger. But actually, God often works the, other, the opposite way. You pray for something, He doesn't answer. And the longer you pray, the longer you believe, your faith is growing stronger and stronger and stronger. There, there, came, there came a point with us where we were believing for stuff that it was like, uh, you know, for the first five years you're believing for stuff. After 10 years, it's like, is this ever going to happen? After 20 years, it's like, I've invested too much into this to let go now. <laughs> right? After 30, it's like, you know, something's got to happen. Because it, it's, I've put everything on the line now. 35 years in ministry, and God has never let us down. God's come through. We're living in a season of blessing now that I've never believed for, I've, that I've always believed for, but I've never seen. And we can trust, you can trust God. You serve God, and he will provide for you. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> um, so don't get spiritual amnesia for a start. The, the higher the praise, the deeper the worship. There's something amazing about coming into worship when you praise first, and it's like you just you exalt God, and then the higher you lift God, it's like the, the more reverent you then can bow down and worship Him. There's something amazing about that, and I love that saying, the higher the praise, the deeper the worship. Praise is like the admission price to church. When you, when you come in the door, you know, like, you know, when you, when you went to a friend's place, and I don't know if your mum ever taught you, when you go to someone's place, you take something with you? Me, just me? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you take a plate of biscuits or whatever, take a pack of biscuits, just to, just to say, hey, I brought something. It's um, the same, same with God. When you come into his place, you bring something first. Before you ask for anything, you acknowledge what he's done already. The only reason you can come in here is because of what Jesus did. So before we come in and, and kind of forget all that and just go, God, you've been so awful, you've forgotten me, which is what a lot of our worship often is. 
where are you, where are you, where are you, you're so bad, you've let this bad stuff happen to me. We, we then remind ourselves, we, we bring our little plate of biscuits first and say, actually, I remember what you did. Thanks for letting me in here. Thanks for having me at your house. Thanks for allowing me to come into your presence because you're a holy God and I'm covered in sin. So if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be allowed to be in here anyway. You know that plate of biscuits? In the Old Testament, it was a cow. Moses said, when you come to worship, the entrance, in order to get into the tabernacle, you had to bring a cow. And so it was, it was like, okay, let's you know, come out of the tent. And um, uh, Mo, that's right, we, we, we met God now. So uh, and I, Moses told us we have to worship him. And he said, bring a cow. So come on, Betsy. You know, <laughs> Betsy the cow. <laughs> and then, and the, that's pretty good. Hey. <laughs> okay, and then you come... <laughs> Preach, man. What a preach this morning. <clears throat> yeah, that sermon was really moving. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I come up to the entrance to the, to the tent, right? The entrance to the tabernacle. This is the, we've only just learned how to worship and how to praise. No one's taught us. Uh, what, what, I, what I learned from the Egyptians was not what God wants from worship. Right? That's golden calf stuff. That's worshiping in the wrong way. So this is me learning how to worship God for the first time properly. And he says, hey, the first thing you do is bring a cow. And of course, for, for us, we understand what that means. The symbolism of it all. There's got to be a sacrifice that atones for our sin. There's got to be blood because it all symbolizes what Jesus is about to do. That, that all means a lot to us. But to them, it meant nothing. They didn't know what that meant. It was just a pure act of obedience. So if I rocked up to the, to the entrance to the tent, and there's a priest right at the front with an altar there, and he says, hey, how you doing? I said, good, I'm good, I'm here to worship. He goes, cool, where's your cow? I would hand the cow, he would take the cow, he would, he would slaughter it, and that would be my entrance price into the presence of God. If I rocked up without a cow, and, and he said, hey, uh, yeah, good morning. I said, hey, cool, I'm here to worship. He says, where's your cow? And I said, no, I didn't bring a cow because that's not my personality. That's, that's not how I do that. I'm very much, I worship on the inside. I praise on the inside. I'm saying, it's not, it's not really... God didn't ask for your personality, he asked for your obedience. Which just says, hey, come and enter into his courts with, come into his gates with thanksgiving. The whole point is to first of all come in and acknowledge him, to praise him, to lift him up, to exalt him first. And in doing so, we humble ourselves. And we, we don't have to sacrifice. Like, we don't have to sacrifice our blood. In fact, I was telling the worship team yesterday, Christianity is the only religion in the history of mankind where the God has done the sacrificing for his people. It's usually the other way around. Hey, you see Amazonian Indians sacrificing a goat or throwing something into a volcano. Or, you know, or I remember being in Thailand and seeing these shrines with McDonald's and Fanta on them because it was the people sacrificing to their God. Every religion everywhere, it's always the people sacrificing to their God. Christianity, our God says, no, I'm going to sacrifice for you so that you can come in here. Surely our first response has got to be, hey, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Hey, how can we come into church this morning and knowing all that and not say thank you? And so when we get, when we start playing thankful, I'm so thankful, and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to wait for this song to get to be finished so I can get into the deep worship. I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the praise to be over because I don't really believe in that. It's not really my, it's not really my vibe. I'm waiting for the worship so I can go like this. Give me some more, Lord. Even though I haven't acknowledged what you've done, <laughs> I just want some more. Okay, raining down heavy heaps, of course. <clears throat> so when you understand, man, okay, the power of praise now takes on a whole new authority. When you understand what it's doing, you are acknowledging what Jesus has done. You're acknowledging what God has done in his love. In his mercy, he sent Christ for us. When you praise God, you are taking all that authority and going, shove that in your face, enemy. You're taking all of that weight that I just described and you're throwing it in the face of the devil and saying, "Uh uh-uh, the bad times are not going to get me down. The hard times are not going to get me down because Jesus has done a good work and I'm not going to let these hard times make me forget what he's done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Praise you, God. Praise doesn't have to be this, by the way. I mean, and, and when I say, you know, this, I'm talking about an inward heart that says, no, I'm, 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 letting, my feelings, I'm letting my feelings conquer me. Because there have been a lot of times where I've seen young people jump up and down, but it's, and, and, they, and we're singing songs like, um, no matter what comes, I always choose, choose to praise you. I know that I will always choose to praise. Hey, yeah, right? We'll sing that, and then, and then we'll walk out, and then we'll have a flat tire. You know, like, oh, God, where are you? We'll sing, I'll always choose to praise, and then in five minutes, our girlfriend breaks up with us. So, you know, or McDonald's didn't honor that voucher that I And it's like, ah. <laughs> So, so when, we, when we remember what Jesus has done. Next slide. Won't you come quickly to my rescue? Give me back my life. Save me from this violent death. Save my precious, oh, save my precious one and only from the power of these demons. Save me from all the power of the enemy, from this roaring lion raging against me and the power of his dark hordes. We need to realize that there is a spiritual realm influencing us. And they will try to make most of the hard times that you go through to convince you of a lie. And that lie is, look, God doesn't love you. God has forgotten you. Those, that spiritual realm may or may not make those things happen. It could just happen because that's life. God definitely does not make those things happen. But we want to blame him when they do. I don't know what it is. Something in us that says, you must, you're the one in control, therefore you let this happen. I don't know how many young people I've spoken to who are angry at God because their, their mum or dad died. You know, or someone died. How many people that we talk to throughout, throughout the years, that their spouses died and they blame God. And, I, and we're saying, no, 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 no. 
God doesn't make that happen. There's free will. There's, there's just the way that life happens. All of that happens. It's just our response to it that, that makes a difference. We've got to believe that God is always good. But the enemy can pick up on that easily. If I was the enemy, I'd be like, yeah, look at these bad times, dude. God obviously doesn't love you. In fact, I would say, you know what? I reckon he made this happen. But of course he didn't make it happen. Why would you do that? Why would you do that to your kids? You wouldn't. Neither does he. So we have to be, be careful with what we declare, what we think, what we say, what we post on Facebook, what we post on Instagram. We have to be careful with what comes out of our mouths, what comes out of our heart. Because the enemy will use that. But like I said, if you take all that stuff that I said before and throw it in his face, you win. You win. So I feel prophetically, uh, next slide, I feel prophetically for you guys, there is a lot of warfare to win. And praise is your, praise is your weapon. If you can grasp this, man, praise is your weapon. Can you imagine the power of praise in the Spirit? Praise exalts Jesus. Give exhortation and exhortation to the name and the power of Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. <clears throat> when you do that, you're exercising your rights as sons and daughters. You're fighting back. Fight back. Hey, fight back. Okay, all right. Uh, you know what? Skip ahead. Uh, next. I will. Next. Yeah. You know what? Next. Yeah, you're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you among the congregation of your people. Let's make the promise and keep it. Next. For the, from the four corners of the earth, the peoples of the world will remember and return to the Lord. Every nation will come and worship him. What an amazing witness we will be to the Lord when we get this right. Hey, it's an amazing witness to the world. Next. His spiritual seed shall serve him. Future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the sovereign Lord. His generation yet to be born will glorify him, and they will all declare it is finished. Man, future generations. What a, what a witness we will be to the world. What an amazing witness we will be to our future generations. We've got our first grandchild on the way, and we want to be those grandparents that just, Livy said to me, I want to be a whisperer, a baby whisperer that just whispers in the ear, God is good. God loves you. God will always be there for you. He'll never let you down. Trust in Him. You can have faith in God. Amazing witness. Next slide. Praise is more powerful than we know. Because praise brings a perspective. Brings a new perspective. <clears throat> and praise as opposed to worship. The thing about praise is it's all about God. Nothing to do with me. I exalt Him. And in doing so, we we. It's like we exalt him above our circumstances. Sometimes we can walk into worship, um, and next slide, next slide. Sometimes we can go into worship and exalt our situation above his ability to change it. Because we're, you know, we're pouring out our hearts. And because David did it, we think, oh yeah, I'll do what David did in the Psalms. I'll be honest before God and I'll pour it out. But you have to remember that David always finished them with faith. So, that's cool. God can totally handle your honesty. He wants your honesty. He wants your vulnerability. He wants your, trans your transparency. But he also wants your faith. So I've been on plenty of those walks where I've walked and talked with God and I've given him everything. I've cried. I've cried out to him. I've been on the floor crying. <laughs> I've been under trees crying. I've been outside. I've been inside. I've cried out to him, but I always have come to the end conclusion, but you are good. 
and I thank you for your goodness. You know, there are two lines um, throughout most of the Bible that you can see, especially through the Psalms, and they are, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I reckon those two lines are pretty much all we need. Hey, that's all we need for every situation you face. Well, he's good and his love endures. And if you've, if you've sinned, he's good and his mercy endures. That's all I need. Let me finish on these, um, on these praise songs. Uh, Libby was saying the other, the other night, man, there's something about these, the praise songs that we've got going on at the moment that are awesome because it's deep theology wrapped in kind of candy pop music. <laughs> deep theology wrapped in this, you know, bow, multicolored bow. And stuff. It's, it's, you, you don't, you don't realize the stuff that you're singing. Listen to some of the words. And I am holding on to all your love. My praise goes on and I will never let you go. You know, you can sing that slow. I'm holding on to all your love. My praise goes on. I'll never, I'll never let you go. You know, you can sing it like that and sing it all sad. Or you can sing it fast and it takes on a whole new genre. And the genre is joy. I love what Pastor Will said. There's joy. There's joy when you praise. How many people can go through a hard time, sing a song, and have, still have a deep feeling of joy? The circumstances may still be there. You might have pain from the pain of it, from the pain of it, from the grief of it, but actually there's a deep-seated joy that says, yeah, but I'm going to keep holding on. Listen, there's another song that says, find me here. I'm staying in your presence, Lord, because I've found all that I need and more. Jesus, I cannot get enough of you. That's a praise song. Joy. I've got a reason to sing, it's you. In every season, you're good, it's true. I won't let my feelings dictate my praise. Whatever happens, you've taught my heart to sing. Candy pop praise song that we often say, nah, let's skip the praise and let's go to worship because that's the deep stuff. And here's what amazing theology. Nothing's going to steal my joy because my joy is in you. Nothing's going to stop the praise my heart wants to give you. I'll praise you in the, in the heart, heartaches and on the hilltops. I'll thank you in the blessing and in the valley. <laughs> Listen to verse 2 of joy, which I hate singing. I, <clears throat> I see the trials ahead as joy. I know you're with me and my heart will always say, nothing's going to steal my joy. You know, there's, there's something incredible about that verse in particular. <laughs> you know, see the trial. Consider it pure joy when, when you go through trials of all kinds. I've got to be honest, I don't see it as pure joy yet. I'm kind of somewhere around mild tolerance. I understand, I understand what God's going for, and I'm, get, I'm, I'm aiming for it. I'm getting there. But I'm not seeing it as joy yet because I'm, I'm a deep-feeling guy. And I've spent a lot of my life on the floor, you know, wallowing in it. But I've learned, I've learned over the years, that doesn't do you any good. It just doesn't work. It doesn't make me feel any better. It just, just, just makes it harder. So I've learned now to shout unto God with a voice of triumph when I need to. Sometimes I just need to. I need to lift my hand. I need to lift my voice. I need to make myself do things I don't feel like doing so that it exalts God above my circumstances. Anybody feel like praising this morning? Come on, can we just... 
Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.